Select the mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason G, DJ, movie writer, 80s guru, vehicle code name, Frontier. Wyatt B, sound engineer, movie writer, airman, vehicle code name, Dakota. Personnel approved. Assemble Mobile Armored Strike Command. Welcome, MassCast listeners, to a special edition of our MassCast. This is episode number 16. We are going to take a break from our normal breakdown of the Mask episodes, and we've got a special show lined up for you tonight. My name is Jason, and as always, I'm joined by my MassCast co-host, the Gene Wilder to my Richard Pryor, Wyatt. How are you doing tonight? Very foolish tonight. You look a little (laughs) blind to me. (laughs) For those of you who do not know us, uh, one of our favorite movies is uh, See No Evil, Hear No Evil, starring Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, where Richard Pryor is the blind guy and Gene Wilder is the deaf guy. I don't know, what was that, late 80s, I think? Mid to late 80s, yeah, and the whole persona is they end up, you know, meeting and stumbling around through most of the movie in an effort to capture the bad guys, and it's nothing more than a great comedy, Uh, a little vulgar, but all in all, it was was a great comedy, and Jason and I still, years later, are cracking up, we'll spit lines at each other, just... Yeah, yeah, I don't think any of their movies was... uh anything but a little bit vulgar but right <laughs> that was all part of their shtick but uh anyway so we went off on a little bunny trail there but let's get back on track to the show at hand uh we have a special guest on the line with us tonight he is a graphic artist and is the creative mind behind swivelarms.com paul pamphalone paul how are you i'm great thanks for having me out we're grateful to have you on the show and just a little bit of background of how uh, we asked Paul on the show is, uh, I don't know, I guess it's been a few months back now, um, I noticed some of his artist work, and he actually did a, a few mask posters that really caught my attention, and we decided to have him on and uh, to share a little bit about his site and his memories of mask and, and just kind of run it down, so... Uh, I guess let me be the first to ask you, since this is a show about Mask, uh, what is your memories of Mask as a as a kid growing up? Uh, well, Mask, you know, my brother and I were were into Mask um, pretty heavily in the you know right when it came out, you know, the first series there. We were uh, both big fans of you know Star Wars to GI Joe to Transformers, and then when Mask came out, it was kind of like a a mix of G.I. Joe and Transformers, and uh, to us, and we thought it was pretty, pretty cool. So, um, you know, I had I had a bunch of the toys. I had you know Rhino, Switchblade, Jackhammer. I think I started with the. We both started with the Condor. Actually, I think every kid I knew had the Condor. And, yeah, I uh, think everybody starts with the Condor. <laughs> yeah, I think it's probably the cheapest toy available at the yeah. time too. That's right, right. I think it was like, like the gateway drug to the rest of Mask. You know. So. <laughs> So yeah, we had that, and you know the neighbors, kind of our neighbors had the ones that we didn't have. So it was more of a community type play uh, with mask than it was some of the other toys. It seemed like everybody had 
the same vehicles and stuff in the other toy series that the other people had. But mask, it's like you, I had the Rhino, this guy had the Boulder Hill play set, you know, so it was pretty cool. And um, the cartoon was awesome. I, that's the one thing that I really digged about uh, mask was the cartoon, the animation I thought was really good compared to some of the other cartoons that were out at the time. And uh, my brother and I used to watch it religiously. Um, you know, T-Bob and stuff. Like, we used to think T-Bob was really funny. Scott was annoying, you know. But, you know, they were hand They came as a package, so you had to deal with Scott. Um, right. But, yeah, I mean, Sly Rax was always one of my favorites just because he had that Jack Nicholson voice, you know, and he always seemed like the cool character. But then, then again, he was stuck with uh, Cliff Dagger there or whatever. So, um, so I, you know, I remember pretty much a lot about it, just watching it with my brother, playing with the toys. Um, I remember the music, especially the Venom theme, was just ridiculously awesome to me at the time. And um, gave the show a lot more personality than I think it would have had otherwise without that same kind of soundtrack. And uh, Except when it went to the racing series, then I think it was over for us because I don't know how an international terrorist organization goes from trying to blow up the world to just like entering into these racing contests and just racing against you know mask to try to win a race it just seemed, it just seemed pretty to make no sense whatsoever to me so yeah it's you know we haven't really discussed too much between the racing series and the you know basically i guess the first season is what they call it and then the racing right. series was, which was only 10 episodes was the second season but we haven't really discussed it too much but i think everybody's kind of along your lines is it really didn't didn't translate very well and that might be why the cartoon ended up you know ultimately getting canceled right yeah the guy behind that decision you know or the the committee that went involved into that one you know yeah (laughs) i don't know who was that that meeting uh were they uh out late the night before or something yeah Yeah. (laughs) i'm trying to think of what was uh, what else was out at the time because a lot of the toys in the 80s they were just competing with each other you know so You'd see a toy line start in one direction, but then a different toy line would be popular. So then that original toy line would try to adopt some of the stuff, like um, you know, uh, you know G.I. Joe gotten a lot more spacey, you know, sci-fi stuff, and uh, they even had some mask-like vehicles at some point when mask was popular. So it's just you know, I don't know if there's any other racing stuff going on at the time, but it just seems like a total 180 from what it was to me. Yeah, I agree. Well, tell us a little bit about your background as a graphic artist, Paul. Um, well, I, you know, as I was growing up um, in that time period, in the 80s, uh, my brother and I, we used to draw all the time. Uh, we used to draw our own comic books and, and, and stuff. We were inspired by comic books, but we were also mostly, you know, myself especially, inspired by the, the artwork on toy packaging. You know, the G.I. Joe, the Transformers, the mask, all the, the painted artwork on those packages were just, I mean, they would blow your mind. It, you know, a lot of the reason I bought these toys was was the package that came in, you know, which just was so cool. And um, so we got into drawing then, and I, you know, drew all through high school. I got out of high school. I went to, to a local uh, Brian Stratton College for graphic design. It's just like a local trade school here. Um, I don't know, you know, how far they go across the country or not, but there's a few around here. And uh, I didn't actually stay in school very long. I, I dropped out and I ended up working a ton of different jobs. I did everything from construction to, to bartending to um, just a bunch of jobs that I lasted six, eight months at and would move on to something else. 
Um, and I didn't go back to school till, God, I, I think it was 25 when I went back to school. So um, I went back to school, uh, got a bachelor's in fine arts, and then I got out of school. And while I was in school, I was actually working for Apple Computer as a campus rep on, uh, on University of Buffalo's campus. And so when I graduated, I kind of segued right into working for Apple in retail as a genius, as they call them, or a technician. And uh, so I was freelancing and doing design work and drawing on the side, um, mostly, you know, traditional design, not as much drawing as I had done, and uh, working full-time at Apple. Then when I left Apple, I got a full-time lead designer position at a Canadian-based company in Niagara Falls and did that for a few years left and became an art director for a few months at a local agency here in Buffalo. But by that time, you know, it was more, there was more of a call for me, I think, to work for myself and get back to my roots, uh, get back to more illustration, less traditional design. The, the work I was doing at the agency just wasn't, uh, you know, fulfilling. It wasn't really satisfying to me. So, so I ended up leaving there and I've been on my own for maybe about three months now. So, just basically, I, I don't want to necessarily call it freelancing, more of just working independently and um, trying to, you know, build clientele up that way so I can just kind of make my own schedule, do what I love to do. Hopefully, at some point, do more personal work than client work. And, uh, you know, just, I mean, I don't need to be rich. I just need to make enough to make a living. So, so uh, I think that's, you know, would make me happier than making more money working for someone else. So that's where I'm at right now. It sounds like you're kind of living uh living the dream i wish uh i wish i could have my uh my own time you know kind of to do the the things that we like to do i, th- I think wide and i would probably be in california right about now pitching the movie right if uh if if money were no object or if uh if if the mass movie script was our our job uh we might also have a radio station uh <laughs> yeah one uh, of the two that's 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 our dream you know we grew up together we've known each other since the fourth grade yeah, that's awesome. You know, I'm yeah. I'm coming up on 37. He's coming up on 36 now, and uh, so we've known each other for 25 plus years. And um, we, I introduced him to radio uh, at our hometown radio station, and both of us have got the bug bad. We just yeah. uh, he went off to college, I went off the Air Force, and he has more of the the textbook <laughs> experience. I got. A little bit of uh, yeah. hands-on he's experience, the, but both he's ways. He's the engineer, you know. and I'm the. He's the DJ. I'm the rapper. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, tell us a little bit about how you started uh, Swivel Arms. Uh, well, I was doing um, a website for a, for a while with a friend of mine, uh, Rob Ims. He's a local uh, independent filmmaker called lovelyjunkie.com, and we were running that. I started that in uh, 2007, I think it was, or 2008. And basically, it was like d- design and film. We had a few other people involved, too, but they weren't really serious about it. And uh, that ran its course, I think. And after that, it was – Rob went off to he's, – he's in the process of making a local film now. Uh, so he's concentrating on that. And I wanted to do a site that was just basically my stuff or my inspiration. So – so I started that about a year ago, uh, yeah, last summer, June, and um, you know the name comes from the swivel arm battle grip that the GI Joes, you know, used to have, and uh, yeah, basically it's been about a year. So, uh, what kind of content 
can we find on swivelarms.com? What is your what is really in your portfolio? Uh, it's the purpose of the site, I guess, is for me to get uh, my work out there and, and you know, kind of document what I'm working on and um, show the finished pieces, show the process behind the work that I'm working on. Um, but also, you know, uh, alongside that, and, and there seems to be, you know, there's more of that, obviously, than the work because it's easier to post on inspiration. And so a lot of it is inspiration. It's it's the stuff that I grew up with, um, you know, everything from, you know, masks to, you know, uh, Sears catalogs, you know, wish books to, you know, all the toys and comic books and illustrations and drawings and stuff that used to inspire me as a kid. Uh, even stuff that inspires me today, which a lot of it is often the same stuff. Um, so it's pretty much a mix of my work and work of other people that inspired my work now. Yeah, I've kind of run through your site. There's some pretty cool stuff on there. I know you've got some uh, uh, old trading cards and stuff. I guess those are scans. Um, yeah, there's. I guess I, that's on the that, that's on the blog side of uh, of your site. Right. Yeah. I mean, when you go to the way I have it set up now, and you know, it's always open to evolving. But the way I have it set up now is when you go there, I wanted the blog to be first because. To me, it's more of creating a dialogue in a sense of artwork and design and that kind of stuff. So I could easily have it take you straight to the portfolio and have the blog secondary, but I chose to make the blog forefront. There's a portfolio link, which is the first link in uh, on the sidebar there that takes you off to my portfolio of my work. But, uh, but yeah, I just posted on uh, Empire Strikes Back trading cards. Those are things that I find on the Internet. Flickr is a good place for that kind of stuff. That's where I found those. Um, and just share the stuff that I had as a kid that, you know, a lot of it I don't have anymore. It's gone. But uh, it's a way to keep it alive and, and to keep that inner child alive, which is where my creativity comes from. Uh, without that inner child, I don't think I would view the world in the same way. And uh, things can get kind of uh, kind of real serious real fast, you know, if you don't, if you don't hold on yeah. to that wonderment. So that's what keeps me going. And... Uh, it keeps me enthusiastic about what I do. Yeah, that's what I kind of fed off of. Uh, I guess it was last September when I started my little blog, which is uh, rediscoverthe80s.com. And, it, you know, it's just stuff that you, know, you got in your head, you need to get down, you need to document, mm -hmm. you want to relive, you want to share with other people. So I kind of got that same feeling. Uh, when I'm on there with you, but we had Wyatt and I had the wonderful fortune of getting some mail from Paul recently, and in the mail we received uh, his mask posters that he created. We, I think, have shown them on the uh, Mask Movie Facebook page, and uh, let me tell you, these are awesome. I went with the Spectrum, and Wyatt went with uh, the Viper one. But uh, tell us a little bit about how those. Uh, came along and how you created those and got the inspiration for those uh, posters. Oh uh, yeah, sure. Uh, well, thank you uh, for the kind words. I um, it's something that the uh, there's a lot of retro stuff going on, obviously with you know Transformers and, and you know movies being made and that kind of stuff. And I didn't feel like Mask was getting its due as far as that goes. And uh, Amen. <laughs> you know, it, yeah, it's it, you know it's it's right up there. You know, it's there's the big three to me. Um, you know, you had Star Wars and that petered out, and then then the '80s began. So out of the '80s, the big three to me was always G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Mask. 
And um, so it just it's weird that it doesn't get any love. And I don't know if it's because Kenner had it and then Hasbro took it. Now it's like a redheaded stepchild at Hasbro. Who knows? But uh, but I wanted to do something that was masks. So um, the, obviously the the thing with masks were the masks. And I wanted to focus on those, and I just loved them as a, you know, as a kid, and, and today, just the how every mask was different, and and the way they looked kind of built the personality of the the person who was wearing it, who was behind the mask. And, um, and my brother actually is an anthropologist now, and he studies different cultures, and there's so much history with masks, you know, across different cultures, and uh, so masks have always interested me, so I thought it'd be cool to uh, just recreate the masks. I only did two. I had plans to do a couple more, but I'm, I'm thinking at this point um, to do them, but in a different in a different way. Don't do them in the same kind of medium I did them, uh, did the Spectrum and the Viper masks, but find a different way to do them. So, um, you know, my favorite, some of my favorite masks, are even like uh, the torch mask, just the frowny face on it, I love that mask. So it's something I definitely want to make just trying to figure out the best way to approach it at this point. That was going to be my follow-up question if you were planning on uh, on doing any more because I'm dying to get a frame and get that up on a wall somewhere in my house if my wife will let me. <laughs> in addition to the stills, have you thought about working with any animation at all or maybe even thought about uh, perhaps doing your own comic strip aside from like retro art comics? Uh, yeah, my brother and I... Um, I think I mentioned before that we, we um, as kids, we did full comics. You know, we did everything from writing them to uh, penciling to inking to lettering to uh, coloring our own full comic books. I think my brother ended up doing like 25 to 30 full books. And um, I was behind him. He was always way more efficient than I was. But um, But even today, we still talk about with his cultural background and knowledge about doing a graphic novel of some sort, maybe in the style of like the old Sandman comics where there's, there's more like full page spreads and less uh, traditional uh, boxes, but we've got a bunch of ideas for it. And that's something I definitely want to get into. As far as animation goes, um, I haven't done any animation at all other than maybe a little bit of 2d flash animation I did in school and, and just messing around. But there is something I've been thinking about recently, which was doing some sort of animation 2D that way with some posters I'm working on, but um, but it'd be in my own way, and it'd be almost, um, it, it'd be, I, I'm sure there's stuff, I mean, nothing's truly original, I'm sure people have done stuff like this before, but it wouldn't be like a traditional animation, it would be just something like animating something of mine that's still, and giving it a little more life, because what's most frustrating for me is I see things uh, moving. I, I, I imagine things in motion, and then when I make them, they're still. So it's kind of frustrating to imagine all this life around something and then make it, and it's just a freeze frame of this entire thing that's in my head. So I'm trying to figure out a way to do that where I won't uh, you know, go insane trying to get it done right, but we'll see what happens. Right. Have you thought about maybe not just that type of animation, but maybe even... Um like cartoon or or the new 3D type animation. Yeah, I mean there's like motion graphic type software that I want to mess around with, uh, C Cinema 4D and that kind of stuff. I just don't know how far I want to take it. You know, it's another thing I got to learn, and um, 
you know, a while back I was, I had kind of had my hand in, in everything from photography to illustration to design to, you know, and it, and it was tough to stay focused and get good at one thing when you're kind of got your hand in every pot. So it'd be something that I wouldn't rule out, but at the same time, um, I don't want to stretch myself too thin, I guess. I'm kind of on board uh, with you. It's nice to kind of see your concepts, you know, in motion. But I also think there's still a little, you know, something about just like a comic book and, mm-hmm. and kind of using your own imagination as well. Right. Um, I just in the mail today completed the second series of the Mass Comics. I was pretty excited to to finally get all those together. I'm hoping. Uh, later on down the road, if we need a little break from the episodes again to to post some of those uh, the comic books, and we can talk about those as well on the show. But yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of those uh, the comic books as well. Yeah, that's very cool. I I actually just started. I I had all, every GI Joe comic when I was a kid, and they got destroyed from moving around a bunch of times. So I I got the entire series from eBay. And I uh, just started reading them on uh, issue five right now. So nice, um, but it is—it's the storytelling aspect, and it's—and it's watching the characters grow from issue to issue, which is always very, very cool. I think. Yes, I I agree with that. Well, we wouldn't be us without uh, asking you a little ending question, I guess you would say, about Mask the movie and and kind of our push to to get Mask on the big screen. Uh, what would you like to see? Maybe um, just a couple things uh, that the mass cartoon or even the comics or uh, that could carry over into a movie that would make it worth a studio's while to to make it a hundred million dollar <laughs> movie like Transformers. <laughs> well, this is a, you know this is a question I was waiting for, and it's it's something where I could go on forever, you know. And, and there's two ways to look at it. I mean, if you want to make it like a hundred million dollar insane. Transformers, uh, then you'd probably need like a Michael Bay and you would need a total reimagining and some, you know, like the Transformers in these movies are just nothing like the ones from the 80s. So they, you know, I don't know if they're appealing to a different audience or what, but the way I would do it would be I wouldn't reimagine it because these characters caught on and, and, and gained a following based on how they looked for a reason, you know. Um, it's real tough with all the different toys and all the different comic books and whatever else comes out to gain a following or to gain, you know, uh, to gain some popularity at all because there's so much competition. So if you have the magic recipe, then I don't think you should change it, you know? Um, so I'd say no Michael Bay because I think he's the spawn of Satan and he he's out to just ruin <laughs> my childhood. Um, Ninja Turtles are next. They're, you know, they're not mutants. Yes. They're space and this whole thing. And I just, I don't know why you have to mess with the recipe. Just, Keep it worked for a reason, and and people today aren't that much different than they were 30 years ago. So you know, um, I'd say keep them the same, keep the masks the same, keep the characters the same, and just build off of what was there because there was such a cool base to that series and those characters that didn't really get fleshed out the way it could have. You know, and I'd say even how awesome would it be to just set the movie in the 80s? Because that would give a cool vibe to the movie, you know, something a little bit different. Because it seems like everything's got to be adapted to the modern time or the the current time. But then 20 years down the road, the current time isn't the current time anymore. So you might as well have just done it in the past. Right. 
And also, I just think it'd be cool because you'd have the Thunderhawk would be an 80s Camaro, you know? And all the cars would look the way they're supposed to, you know? So, yeah, I mean, if you, if you, if this movie made 10 years ago, you'd have a really ugly Camaro. You know, at least now the Camaro's cool. But <laughs> 10, 15 years ago, you would have had that Batmobile looking Camaro, and that would have just been awful. So. Yeah. Well, I couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, if Michael Bay would somehow, you know, shoot mask.movie at yahoo.com an email and uh, and want us on board, it would be hard to say no. no and, uh, but, I, I yeah, I, I think that's kind of where we have come from. You know, we wanted to stay true to the, the cartoon and, and, and basically the, the original concept. And... I think we've done that. We've kind of put it in today's uh, world mm-hmm. uh, and still at the same time have been able to keep some of the original vehicles as they were, you know, back then. And, you know, our our vision is, you know, sequel, sequel, maybe. Right, and right. Uh, being able to, to develop it even more. But we wanted, you know, one thing that the cartoon didn't have that we – that, well, at least I, I won't speak for Wyatt, but uh, I, I think he's on board with this too. I, I wish the cartoon would have had some kind of origin story. So mm-hmm. that's what we've we've kind of done. We've tried to stay true and at the same time give it that origin story that it really never had. That's awesome. I, I'd love to have seen like Miles Mayhem and, you know, and Matt Tracker before and where the mask came from and, and all that kind of stuff. So that's awesome. And uh, I, I want to say that I, I love what you guys are doing. And I'm fully behind you 100%. I hope you get this thing made. Even if it is Michael Bay, you know, so be it. But, you know, it's got to, you know, it's got to get made at some point. I, I'm just shocked that it hasn't been made yet. So, yeah, I mean, what you guys are doing is is phenomenal. We, do, we did wish that there was an origin story. I couldn't agree with, with Jason anymore. And also, uh, like Jason said, we did stay true to the story, but we did modernize it yeah, just to get the appeal the appealing of this new audience that's out there right now but also trying to stay true to the original fan base not just for our movie but the original fan base for mass mm-hmm. uh, just like transformers uh, like you were saying paul that you know if they were left optimus and let him be the cab over like he was i think a lot of people had would have had a lot more respect for that movie than what they did with uh, Optimus. And that's just one instance. There's several I could name, but uh, I would take up the whole show. Uh, At least they had, uh, they kept Peter Cullen. I think that was the the only reason that uh, (laughs) that movie made it. Right. I think so. So um, I know I've joked around that uh, if we could, if we could not get this as a live action to make this a cartoon, um, we'd like to see if we could get the original voice actors to be our voices for the the animated movie. But uh, our goal right now is live action. But we'll, like Jason says, we'll take what we can get. Yeah. Yeah. No. Either one would be awesome, but live action would be it'd be something to see. You know, I, I just I think it would be awesome to see those things. You know, those vehicles and those masks live. You know, it would just be insane. Well, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Um, For those of you that want to find Paul and uh, take a look at his work and 
these uh, the mask posters we've been talking about, you can go to swivelarms.com. And just like us, he is pretty much on every other social network out there. Right. He's on Facebook uh, slash Swivel Arms. He's at Paul underscore Pants on Twitter. He's got a Google Plus page and a Flickr page. So if you basically just head over to his uh, his main site at SwivelArms.com, you can link over to all your favorite social uh, media sites. So anything else before we're going to go, Paul? No, I just want to thank you guys again for having me on. And, and uh, if you need any help from me, just let me know because uh, yeah, I think this is awesome. I think you guys... You guys are doing a great thing, and I think this thing will get made if you just stay, you know, stay diligent, stick with it. I appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate it. We also really appreciate those uh, posters once again. And, uh, if we can get the uh, AOK from the wives, I think we'll be having <laughs> our own little, uh, our own little mask headquarters, as we kind of called already on the, on the podcast. Well, then I'll have a whole mask shrine <laughs> <laughs> with everything that I have. Well, that'd be awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Well, that wraps it up for another edition of MassCast. Once again, we want to thank Paul for joining us tonight for MassCast 16. And on behalf of Jason, we'll catch you next time on MassCast.